Welcome to the Radio Bible Course. We're continuing our study of Hebrews chapter 9, and today I'm reading from verse 8 through 10. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the sanctuary is not yet opened as long as the outer tent is still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot perfect the conscience of the worshiper, but deal only with food and drink and various ablutions, regulations for the body, imposed until the time of Reformation. The writer is telling us that as long as that first tabernacle was standing, and of course it was there because it was the place where the priests offered their sacrifices. That whole system, as long as that continues, he tells us that the Holy Spirit is showing us something. He is showing us, as the NIV translation says it, he is showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed, as long as the first tabernacle was still standing. And it continues, this is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. Of course they couldn't clear the conscience. They didn't deal with the conscience. They dealt with the body. Animal blood didn't help the conscience. Therefore, there was no perfection under that sacrificial system. And since there was no perfection, there was no access to God's presence. Believers in Christ, however, do have their consciences cleansed, and they can approach God. Now notice in verse 10 it says, But all this, this Judaistic system, deals only with food and drink and various ablutions or washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of Reformation. For how long then, we might ask, were these dietary regulations and various washings of the Old Testament imposed? Well, he tells us at the end of verse 10, until the time of Reformation. It's the time when things would be set right by God. And Jesus Christ is the one who set it right. Now, that word until implies the temporary nature of the Old Testament regulations, and of course, they were temporary. That's made clear in Galatians 3.19, where it says the law was given until the seed should come, but not after that, of course. And so, these laws here, the writer is telling us, were given until the time of Reformation. Now, why is he discussing this at all? Because of the tendency of some of these Jewish Christians to want to go back to the law, things that couldn't deal with the conscience, and apparently they were having a conscience problem. But he wants them to understand that Jesus Christ is their great high priest, and he has done enough, and they don't need to go back to the Old Testament system. The death of Christ established a new order. And that new order has, of course, a new priest, a new sacrifice, that was Christ, a new sanctuary, it's in heaven. Anyone having the new doesn't need the old. 
Now we want to continue with chapter 9, verse 11. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy place, taking not the blood of goats and calves, but his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and with the ashes of a heifer sanctifies for the purification of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Now I notice in verse 11 that the author does not write, but when Christ appeared as a teacher, he says he appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come. He wants the Hebrew Christians to see Jesus Christ as the superior priest here. And as a priest, the great high priest, he has entered the perfect tab tabernacle. That's in heaven. And he clarifies that by saying, not made with hands. That is, men didn't make this. It was made by God. It's in heaven. Now, how many times did he go into that tabernacle? Only once, verse 12 tells us, he entered once for all into the holy place, taking not the blood of goats and calves, but his own blood. And what did he accomplish? He secured redemption. No, that's not what it says. It says he secured an eternal redemption. Animal blood could not secure eternal redemption. Why not? Hebrews 10.4 told us, For it is impossible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. But how could redemption be eternal, seeing that people continue to sin even after believing in Jesus Christ? The answer lies in the truth that Christ died for all of our sins, not just the past offenses. Now, the animal's blood did nothing for future sins, but Christ's blood does. Think of it. Every sin I will ever commit has already been paid for. Jesus died for my future security. That's the direction we're headed. Christ died for all sins, not just past offenses. He has no need, like those high priests, to offer sacrifices daily because he did this once for all, when he offered up himself. We learned that from chapter 7, verse 27. In regard to this point, that is, future sins, I think there is much preaching of a half-gospel. It teaches that if you believe in Christ, your past sins will be forgiven. But the Bible never declares that for the Christian. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that Christ died for our sins, all of our sins. And if he didn't die for future sins, then we need another Savior who will come and die for the future sins. Of course he died for all. Are all sins forgiven? Only when you believe. Are all sins of all men, even unbelievers, already paid for then? Yes, they are. But they get no benefit from it until they believe. Christ, of course, had to make an eternal redemption. 
he had to pay for sins because he was sent here only once to deal with sin. The next time he returns to this earth, it won't be to deal with sin. It will be to judge and to rule. Now, I want to get ahead of myself briefly and read verse 25 because it deals with this matter of one death being enough. He writes, Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy place yearly with blood, not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for men to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. With this kind of teaching, those Hebrews... When they read this epistle, must have seen the high priest of old as only an illustration of what Christ would later do for men. How could anyone continue to value a priest who repeatedly had to offer sacrifices when God has sent a priest who has completed all sacrifices by his one sacrifice? It was on the cross that Jesus offered up his life to God as a sacrifice for you and for me. His work was completed there. He said, it is finished on the cross. Now, people who won't accept the sufficiency of Christ's single sacrifice will forever be insecure. And at the same time, they are revealing that they don't understand what it means to believe in Jesus Christ. You may believe Jesus is coming again, but that won't get you eternal redemption. The Moslem believes that. Yes, Moslems believe that Jesus is coming back. But the Moslem puts no trust in Christ's death for sin. He doesn't even believe that Jesus died. They believe in one God. So did the Jews who were dying in the wilderness. Or you may agree with this doctrine which says, We believe that through the atonement of Christ all mankind may be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. Now I quoted that from Article 3 of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as revealed to the man they say is their prophet, Joseph Smith. We're redeemed by obedience to laws and ordinances? Paul said the gospel was Jesus dying for our sins, buried and arose on the third day, all according to the scriptures. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The obedience God desires is obedience of faith. He wants us to believe. And Paul stated that in Romans 1, 5 and Romans 16, 25 and 26. Now, the Holy Spirit inspired both Moses and Paul to teach us justification by faith. That's the way it is. And if you want to do something for God, believe God. Believe that God has sent his Son to be the Redeemer. Now, you may, as others, believe that the death of Christ was not a ransom, but that it merely gives you a second chance. 
then you are similar to Jehovah's Witnesses, who also believe that Jesus dissolved into gas and remains extinct forever. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then he could not have ascended as the New Testament declares. It follows also that he could not be in that heavenly sanctuary, as the author states here in Hebrews chapter 9. Did the blood of bulls and goats accomplish anything? Yes. It cleansed the body of defilement. There was the ashes of a heifer. Numbers 19 tells us how the animal was incinerated and its ashes stored outside the camp for use in water to purify a person who had come in contact with a dead body. It restored one to external purity only. Those sacrifices and purification never permitted one to come into God's presence. They kept teaching men about sin, that they were sinners, and that there was no hope unless God would provide some permanent solution to sin. Isaac Watts, who died in 1748, wrote about 600 hymns, and he believed that Christians should sing about what Christ had already done for them. And one of those hymns was, Not all the blood of beasts on Jewish altars slain could give the guilty conscience peace, or wash away the stain. But Christ, the heavenly Lamb, takes all our sins away, a sacrifice of nobler name and richer blood than they. If you have believed in Jesus Christ to save you from your sins, then you have a high priest and you ought to rejoice because of what he has accomplished. Your sin problem has been dealt with effectively and eternally. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you to rejoice in the good news.